friends. Happy 2017. Happy New Year. I'm Stephen Perkins, and this is my podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to this first episode of the New Year's. First of all, my apologies for it being a day late. Had some technical difficulties. You'll actually still hear some of them in the show. Uh, I am this week kind of a different episode. I, I am interviewing Christopher Nielsen. Uh, really not interviewing, but more of a conversation with uh, Christopher Nielsen. He is a friend of mine from junior high. We have known each other for a while. Uh, Christopher's a really cool guy. He's originally from Norway, um, and he considers himself politically a libertarian, but more specifically a voluntarist minarchist, which when I saw that, I had to ask him about it. But the other thing is that we didn't talk that much about politics in this show. We talked a lot about our 2017 goals. We talked a lot about uh, lifestyle, coffee, liquor, bourbon, you know, all just, just like it was a fun conversation, I think. I think uh, hopefully you get a lot out of it. We do talk a little bit about politics towards the end. We finally wrestle for the first time on the show. I, I'm pretty sure the first time we wrestle with the question, is taxation theft? And, uh, and, and you will actually um, understand why last Thursday I tweeted a certain something towards the end of the show. So this is finally your explanation. Uh, but anyways, I, I do want to just say real quick, the audio is off in this. I am, because I'm 65 years old and I am technically challenged, um, I, I didn't have my soundboard set up the right way. And so what what's really important is that Christopher's audio comes in crystal clear. Mine is a little harder to hear. It's not impossible, but it, it sounds almost like I, I'm just like, I don't have a microphone, basically. I think my mic was either really low or completely off. I'm not sure. I'm going to blame the sound engineer that I don't actually have. Uh, but anyways, um, let me know if you like this episode because it's a little different. It's not as much about politics. If you like it, uh, make sure to tweet me or message me or anything, any way that you want to contact uh, contact me. Anyways, in the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend Christopher Nielsen. So first of all, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't have whiskey to offer. That's okay. That's because okay. I, I thought I would, but uh, it's all gone <laughs> since Christmas. <laughs> I didn't drink at all. It wasn't me. Uh, but thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, um, it's always a pleasure. So for those listening, uh, I did a short little intro before this, but this is Christopher Nielsen. Um, I was thinking for some reason I just thought, oh, we've been we've known each other since high school. We actually knew each other since junior yeah eighth junior, grade eighth grade, grade. Yeah. we had math together and then you left the country yeah because barack obama was elected <laughs> and then you came back right 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 so where give people the rundown where are you from where did you go back to all that so stuff? uh i'm from norway i'm half danish half norwegian but i grew up in norway uh my dad's and um, works in the oil industry so that's why yeah. my relation to houston and so uh, he was an expat for a year or two that's why I was here first in eighth grade, moved back. And then we liked it so much um, that we came back two years later, uh, moved back. So you like Texas or Houston? Uh, what do you mean? Like, as in like, did you like the state or did you like the city? Uh, both. I like the woodlands a lot, actually. It's a comfortable environment to grow up in. Uh, a lot of people would disagree. Uh, <laughs> like me, perhaps. Uh, but when you're used to like small town Norway, everything just seems bigger in the U.S. and everything you know, everything just feels better uh, for some reason. You know? Right. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that when they live there and they live in this kind of bubble. Like, and I think a lot of Americans do that too. They live in this bubble where oh, America's the great, but 
you know try other try go to good too. but try you know singapore hong kong other big cities are really yeah. cool too you know great cities I, um, i've been um so i i took this class or last semester um about civic engagement and building better cities yeah and so now i've become really interested in the ideas of what makes a city good and like you heard this rhetoric from the Donald Trump campaign that cities were hellholes, essentially. Right. And if you look at the data, actually, cities are kind of coming back. Um, more people are starting to live in these cities. Uh, crime is going down. Cities are building up to where they're not just, you don't just go there to work. They're building up kind of their nightlife and, and right. people are living there. Right. So I think that's kind of interesting. But yeah, so, I, so part of that is looking at a lot of... Um, cities in other countries and kind of how they do that. And I'm, I'm particularly impressed by Denmark um, because there was that documentary on Netflix of the, uh, the U S ambassador. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and he just, it seemed just like, first of all, a cool job, but also it seemed like just a cool country. Right. Um, what would you say? I, you probably get this a lot, but what would you say culture wise is the big difference between America and some of the... Because Denmark is considered a Nordic country, yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, Nordic, Scandinavian. Right. So yeah. what, what are the, the big differences there? Because I think when Americans think Scandinavian, we think, I love Ikea. Uh, and that's about <laughs> all we know. Right. What are the big differences there? Well, I think once you first meet a, a Dane or even a Norwegian or, or someone... Uh, they are very close off at first. So like, uh, you know, if you go on a public transport, um, as long as there's one free seat, they'll sit there versus sitting next to a person, you know. Mm. You'll never strike up conversation with someone, uh, awesome. stuff like that. But then once you get to know them, they're, you know, people are, especially Danes, are very nice people, yeah. fun, fun uh, and enjoyable to be with. Uh, you know how to throw a party, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you have the the you know uh, the government aspect of it. For example, um, the, the high taxes and the the socialism. But then, <laughs> socialism, uh, democratic socialism. Though. Yeah, d- democratic. Yeah. That's that's the key point here. But uh, to um, if we talk about cities and living, Copenhagen is a great city to live in. I think it's um, has bike paths everywhere. Forty percent of the people bike to work. Wow. Uh, or yeah. yeah, commute. Yeah, commute by bike, um, and it's just public transport is great. Uh, all the main bus lines go every five minutes. Uh, the metro goes every two minutes. Like I mean, yeah. and it runs twenty four seven. So uh, you know, if you don't want a bike, you can take the bus as just as easily, or you don't you know, don't I have think, to rely on a car to get around. Yeah, uh, and I think that is one big difference with here. I guess maybe things are more spreaded here, but also, especially in Texas, like especially you just Texas. don't see yeah. public transport. They're trying to build that super rail or that high-speed rail right, from up to Dallas, Dallas to Houston, and yeah. people are freaking out because of that. And it's like, it'd be cool, but it also, I guess people here just don't have... I think it, um, I think that's probably one of the only railways that would be profitable because there's so many people commuting between yeah. Dallas and Houston. Well, and it's a private project. I like that. Isn't it... Uh, with the governments or is it there's like, some government assistant but most of it is it's it's private funding right for it. right so there's different things like that but so you recently i want to ask you about this because you recently traveled to new york yeah um and you went on a coffee tour oh yeah uh i like since i uh 
I just graduated uh, my uh, yeah my bachelor's, and so I've been taking a year off and staying at my parents. And we we went to New York, and when I came back, I <clears throat> my new vice became coffee. I became like addicted to making yeah. like the perfect cup or brewing the perfect cup of coffee. Um, and New York has a great coffee culture, yeah. uh, along with you know Portland, San Francisco, and all the big, all all the the big cities. Yeah, are, all the hipsters yeah. and the yuppies or yeah, young <laughs> urban professionals. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I one day I literally spent I went, walked around and tried out five different coffee places uh, even before I had like a bite to eat. So <laughs> so how do you do that? Is my question like how do you go on a coffee tour? So and sample, you must have been wired a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially because I hadn't had any food at the end yeah. of the, like, I had to stop someplace and eat uh, like a bowl of. Uh, I think I yeah I went to Momofuku. I ate some ramen. <laughs> if you know David Chang, famous yeah. uh, famous chef, but uh, yeah, it was <clears throat> yeah it was it was yeah at the end of the day it was because I had like three espressos and that no two espressos and then three pour over coffees mm-hmm. and so that those are it's probably amounts to probably six seven hundred grams of milligrams of uh, yeah. of caffeine and i i like the coffee culture and i would love to like own a coffee so my friend and i um we have this idea for a coffee shop right where it's membership based there has to be an interview um, we have to make sure that you're not just a terrible reptilian person. Right. Um, there would be like a cigar lounge part of it. Like it's a very nice coffee oh, shop. Oh, so it's one of those like gentleman clubs only. Yes, but ma- this friend's a, a lady. So it's like right. it doesn't really matter. I mean, at the end of the day, probably more gentlemen would, would go. Um, but I just I like the idea of coffee culture, but then also putting um, as if it's even possible, some more snootiness into it right. uh, by restricting access. There was this uh, cool coffee shop. I didn't get to try it out, but uh, in the morning, it's a coffee shop, and it's a Japanese style. And then at night, it turns into a sake bar. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah so. There's a place in Dallas that is a, a barber shop in the front, and at night, they open up the back door, and it's a bar in the back. Oh, that's really cool. They have terrible music. Like it's not the, the drinks are fine, but the music is terrible. But you also can get a haircut up until like eleven o'clock. Wasn't that where that bartender used to have worked that looked like uh, Ellie? No, Eleven from uh, from. No, no, no. That's another one. That's, okay, that's, that's a, a that's a bar called Twilight Lounge in Dallas. But yeah, the the Eleven from uh, Stranger Things. Right, that's right. where she works. Um, I tell I tell people that every time I go in there. And she's so short, so you have to find her. It's like, be on the lookout for Eleven from Stranger Things. Right. Most people just think I'm not being very nice. Um, so you have coffee every day now? Yeah. Every, every, like. So uh, that started recently? Uh, yeah, probably October, November. Especially when I segued into Cato and I couldn't have like... Oh, yeah. You know, I, I just had water, basically. And, yeah. and so coffee became like the new thing. Yeah. I'm, I like tea, too. I haven't gone down the tea rabbit hole yet I, I guess i will soon but i used to be really into like loose leaf teas yeah 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 um but after what it's like it takes you know a long time to to make tea like i still will but then so coffee i guess i started last year because i was the type who was like i'm not going to get addicted to coffee i don't need coffee to function and then you get at a certain point in your college career where it it just becomes vital, some sort of right. some sort of vice that you need to like wake you up in the morning. 
So I started doing coffee, and I did the heavily flavored, you know, the the flavored lattes and stuff like <laughs> right, that. Right, right. Because that was a that's a good introductory. Point. Right, right. I now do the cold brew at Starbucks. Which oh, is I really love the good. cold brew. Less acidic. If you're yeah. worried about the teeth, uh, any middle aged moms out there listening. Um, so I like that, uh, but I, I just feel like so I go to I go to a coffee shop in Grapevine that's kind of like a locally owned one, and uh, that's how I get my my hipster fix on. Right, right. So I feel good about it. No, yeah, I've uh, coffee is great, uh, and I feel like if I'm gonna indulge in coffee, at least let it be a good cup of coffee for sure, rather yeah. than you know the Starbucks horribly done drip coffee or yeah Starbucks yeah. like that's been sitting there for God house no it's house just online. the most accessible okay right right uh, but I mean they do some good stuff yeah, decent stuff terrible. like like their cold brew is yeah it's hard to screw up cold brew uh, and then their um, when they have the reserve section their new oh yeah, yeah upscale okay. coffee you could say with their uh, clover machine is I think it's called I don't know uh, they actually make decent coffee. It just spits it out really hot, so you have to wait a few, like a minute or two before you, you start gotcha. drinking it. But that that actually makes decent coffee. It's just four or five dollars, you know, for yeah, full price here. Right, and I can make you know a good cup of coffee at home for you know less than a dollar. Right. Um, so, sticking on the drink topic, this by the way, I'm not. I don't, we're not going to get too political on this one. Uh, breaking the theme of the show, just because it's like. This will this will be the first episode of the new year, right? Um, and I, God, everything that's happened, I'm over it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit because I, I want to ask you about some political views. But um, another like, so we talked about whiskey, right? So alcohol, um, which you've been able to have overseas for many years, right? Um, but so, what what would you say? Well, first of all, I do know that, that for a while you were in like the brewery scene in Denmark oh yeah I started a beer club at my college uh, where <laughs> which you can't do right. here it's called a fraternity right if you want a beer club <laughs> but so, uh what, what, did, what so did you do we started doing beer tastings and then we bought beer pong tables and our college has a student bar yeah which is common over there yeah which is uh, it's privately run um and it it runs at a profit you know funnily enough it's not like the, I'm sure yeah. it does uh, but uh, but um, we would do beer tastings probably once a month or once every other month, and then uh, beer pong uh, every other month. We'd have a tournament at the local student bar uh, in collaboration with them, which was really fun. We we even bought like the red solar cuffs and yeah yeah, yeah everything like uh, like brought the Americanness into it. You yeah. could say uh, so. Beer has been really big uh, for me over there, especially the Copenhagen brew scene is is. Really good. What kind of beers are they brewing there? Because like here in I mean, Texas, up in Dallas and Houston, there's a lot of IPAs. Well, IPAs are like you know the easiest like, like easiest them. one to get into and brew. And then of course, once you get in a little bit more into beer, you start you know enjoying stouts more a lot yeah. because they have a lot more flavor. Yeah, different flavor profiles. Uh, yeah, and then you know you have something called barley wine that I tried, which is uh, you take beer put it on casks for a few months okay. and you drink it at room temperature and it tastes like it's, yeah, it's hard to describe. There's like very little carbonation and okay. you have to, yeah, it's, it's an acquired taste, but uh, our first tasting we did, we did with the, one of probably the first craft brewers in Copenhagen. Uh, and uh, we had a tasting of, 
I think four beers and it went from light so like a wheat beer all the way to a dark beer a stout and then he brought out his barley wine that won like third place in like some competition in the US or something and you could see progressively as we got darker people started like not in liking it or like you know they oh, yeah. they, they wouldn't finish the drink it's more complex and the stout went went okay and then the barley wine were brought out and like 50% of people liked it and 50% yeah. didn't you know uh, but it's a very try. But it's a cool, it's a cool beer. Um, I haven't seen it. I don't think you can get like get it in the store very easily. You probably have to go to like the brewery or mm. someone who who does it. Because um, there's a bunch up in Dallas, Fort Worth. Fort Worth is really starting to take off with them. And now even where I live in Arlington, uh, I think two or three have popped up. So it yeah. seems like definitely the time that these breweries are starting to. Oh yeah, pop it's up. it's having a, a new renaissance, you could say, uh, a resurgence because the U.S. has always been the biggest beer brewing nation if you look at how many breweries you guys have yeah. um, and I think right now uh, the US has more breweries than it did before the the, the ban on alcohol you could say the prohibition well, era we need it yeah. things have been happening <laughs> right. here right? We, we, right we need something so we're going back from you know what they call macro beers you know Budweiser and all that stuff and yeah. you can actually uh, go to Kroger or even H-E-B and get a good beer selection, you know. Yeah, like yeah. some of the smaller, yeah. more local stuff. I really like it. Um, and then as far as just liquor goes, like I like bourbon. Right. The bourbon variety of whiskey. I know that you try a lot of that stuff too. Oh, what yeah. Are you into? I mean, I, uh, I'm a more fan of scotch and especially peaty whiskey. So, you know. I don't know if I just had bad scotch, but when I had scotch, it tasted like watered down whiskey. It tasted like a very muted flavor. Did you have it with like ice or something or no? Yeah, but right after it was poured on ice. So it wasn't like it'd been but sitting for a while. That's how, yeah, that's not, if you're a purist. That's not like, you're a purist. So, I mean, there's different oh, yeah, levels. There's the ones that yeah. drink it straight up. There's the ones that add like, we're talking a drop of water here. And then there's the ones yeah. that drink it over ice. Of course, you the enjoy you, the you, water. you enjoy it however you like. But, you know, when you cool down alcohol, you, you or any other drink, for that matter, you you mute the flavor more. Yeah. The, the flavor doesn't come as uh, forward. Um, uh, so even if you just cool down whiskey with whiskey stones, you won't get the whole flavor profile. Now, if you put a drop of water in, you can try this yourself at home. Uh, before and after you put the drop of water in, you, you'll feel the whiskey open up a little bit more. Mm. Uh, you'll see like striations in the whiskey. And I like it with a, with a little bit of drop of water in. Uh, and I like, especially like, uh, what's called peaty whiskeys, uh, and so these will be whiskeys that had like a smokiness to them. And one of my uh, favorite ones that I've tried has been one called Peat Monster, and it it tasted like bonfire. Like that's the feeling got in like Smokiness. Yeah, like that's cool. Really, yeah, I really like that. Uh, and then you know I'll go for a, a light whiskey every now and then. Like, yeah. but yeah, uh, Scotch uh, is probably my go-to, and then. Uh, if we're talking like U.S.-based whiskey, it'll probably be rye more so than bourbon. Um, bourbon is just incredibly sweet. Uh, you think it's too sweet? That's why. That's why I like some, about sometimes, it. Sometimes, sometimes smoother for me. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's something you have to learn to drink. And I remember yeah. the first time I I had a friend who was very into whiskey, and uh, and he introduced me to it, and I was like, I couldn't taste anything, and it was like this is weird. But then you drink it a little bit more a few more times and it becomes more enjoyable yeah. um if we're talking like going on to drinks and back to coffee maybe um i recently saw a podcast with malcolm gladwell and tim ferris 
And every morning, I, think I listened to the same one. Was it on Tim Ferriss's show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he was did, every morning, yeah. he drinks the tea called Lapsang uh, oh, Sochong. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That has like a smoky, similar to whiskey flavor to it. Right. Uh, actually, a really enjoyable tea. Yeah, I heard him talk about that, and I wasn't exactly sure what it was because um, I was driving, so I couldn't really go back. Um, but and then now, so one of the things that Starbucks did. And their Starbucks evenings, where they where they serve out. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They have uh, a beer that they then put a espresso shot into. <laughs> and I don't know how that. I mean, I, I guess it could work with maybe a darker beer or something. But I, I just they're doing an uh, IPA with that. Uh, yeah, that's probably so why. So you have the, like the heaviness of the coffee, I guess, with the lightness of the IPA. Yeah. Like one of my favorite cocktails is one called Death and Afternoon, invented by Hemingway named after so after one of his books okay you take a, a shot of absinthe uh an absinthe is usually made with anise so it has like this licorice flavor to it mm. and then you put it in a glass of uh, a champagne glass and then pour it up with champagne until it becomes like this milky uh, looking thing and it works perfectly because you have you know the heavy absinthe and the light champagne and and it, they cut right through each other so you have like this licorice lemony cocktail which if you're dane you you love licorice and so <laughs> it's a really enjoyable drink right is, is that a thing over there the oh yeah black like, licorice black licorice is big in scandinavia uh somewhat in germany and then the dutch are probably the biggest consumers so as well maybe, maybe maybe i'm not a good fit over there right. maybe not i don't know about that uh licorice but here is the red stuff the scandinavians are the biggest coffee consumers in the world though are they yeah Interesting. If we're talking like by by cons- consumption per capita, I didn't know that. Um, I don't know who I thought would have been, but but I mean, when you have those long dark winters, long winters yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I you know it, the winter it pops up and it's like this is how the Scandinavian people don't get winter depression. It's like they work out in the winter. They they have a I don't know like a, a different. They make variations to their diet. Like, there's all these different things. Right, right. Um, working out in the winter, because I was like, I, no, I'm good. I mean, we, people go start going on ski. I mean, cross-country skiing, for example, where, you know, usually close to your city or, or town, you'll you'll have, like, these tracks that are, are stamped in the snow that you can just, you know, walk on. Hmm. And a lot of people enjoy doing that. They'll go, you know, they'll take a thermos with some hot chocolate or coffee or and then go on a trip it's so know. damn quaint over there isn't it it's <laughs> god you people i god. feel like it's a it's a good place to retire to if you enjoy that thing better but, than florida i would say right yeah right. for sure but then you have to enjoy the cold right you do i'd rather retire to new hampshire or something like that that's cold as well yeah no but i mean I mean like not as long of a winter yeah, or or also uh, compared to Florida, I don't know. True. I like the cold better than I like the extreme heat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, me too. Uh, that's why Texas and I have a complicated relationship. So, looking forward to 2017, um, are you the type, do you make New Year's resolutions? Do you do that sort of structured thing? Uh, not really. Okay. I, I set more like short-term goals. So... My first goal this year was to lose weight, and I started keto in the beginning of October, <clears throat> and I've already lost 25 pounds, and I haven't even worked out or anything. Yeah, and it's it's incredible how big because I noticed the same thing 
Um, I started my low carb thing in the summer. Yeah. Um, so July and by the end of August, like it was close to 10 pounds. Right. It, it's incredible so the, the, how, the, the, how quick that happens. The first week or so on low carb will probably be you'll lose a lot of water weight because, yeah. um, uh, <clears throat> you know, your carbs turn into glucose in your body. Uh, so you store four, usually 400 grams of glucose in your liver and uh, 1200 grams usually in your muscles the rest is in your muscles and so the reason you get hungry every four hours when you're eating very heavy carbs is because you run out of glucose in your liver and your body's like what am i going to use for fuel Mm. and your body isn't that used to using its fat anymore because it has such a abundant supply of carbs so it's that's why you get hungry every four hours whereas like i don't know if you've noticed this but i've noticed this when i'm on especially extremely low carb um i can go Usually for breakfast, I'll eat eggs and bacon and uh, a handful of broccoli. Uh, and I can go the whole day not eating, not feeling hungry, coming home and then eating a chicken salad with a bunch of olive oil on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, by the end of the day, that's 1,400 calories, but I'm not suffering. I'm yeah. full the whole time, you know, yeah. energetic. And well, and so I'll say that I don't quite get there, but... I guess I don't feel as hungry. Like there have definitely been times where I've forgotten to eat because, and I'm not as low. So what do you keep it under? How many grams a day usually? 30 usually. But I'm, I'm not like counting anything. I'm just, I know. Just generally. Kind generally of, yeah. around that area. And it's because, you know, I've always for breakfast, I'll have eggs and ba- two uh, sunny side up eggs, four slices of bacon, and then a handful of broccoli as for fiber. And uh, that's usually around three 400 calories mm-hmm. and then the salad I eat at night that's in general what I eat but I usually mix it up at night but the chicken salad is 900 calories yeah. and so <clears throat> at the end of the day I you know I might also have a, a cold brew at Starbucks with some heavy cream in it which is like I think 10 or 15 grams oh no if you just do the cold brew with nothing in oh, it with no cream you yeah know. and the, but then I add heavy cream which is probably uh, what they add is two three grams of carbs yeah but that's 100, 150 calories. So at the end of the day, I'm eating 1,400 calories, but I'm not feeling hungry. And that's the problem. I mean, you can lose weight eating carbs too, but you'll suffer more because you'll get hungry every four hours. Right. Well, and, and so when you look at people who, not just losing weight, but also like building muscle, yeah. um, a lot of people recommend that you need those carbs for the energy when you're, act, when you're also working out. Uh, but there's also that difference between the good carbs and the bad carbs. Yeah, for um, sure. And so if I do have carbs, like very rarely, but if I have a pasta, right, we'll do like a whole grain instead of the white, you know, bleach. Right, right. The more, the more fiber it has, the better yeah. it is, right? So, but so what, what this has done, I think, um, like I don't judge. But, you know, you go to the grocery store and people check out in front of you or behind you and you're like, well... Th- Based on what people get and what people have on a daily diet, it makes sense why why there's such a health epidemic is because it just seems like there's no thought going into what you're putting inside of you. No, because it's a, a calorie is not a calorie. Like, you know, just because a calorie from sugar is not the same quality as a calorie from a protein, right. you know. And mm-hmm. uh, sugar is <laughs> like <clears throat> our epidemic is not coming from fats if right. you look at all the previous data and done and it's going to come out the next few years we're going to see a whole shift in nutrition um 
especially these last 10 years, we've seen a, a whole shift, you know, paleo becoming more of a stuff as Thanks well. Thanks to Jeb Bush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he made it. Right. People are like, what is that? Yeah. But if you look at researchers like, um, there's a guy called Jeff Volek who studies ketogenic diets in elite athletes. Um, <clears throat> like his studies are very much amazing. But basically, if you look at our sugar consumption from the 80s to now, it's gone up 400%. And what's happened in the meantime, right? Our fat consumption has gone down because the government has pushed, you know, you shouldn't eat fats. You should eat lots of grains and lots of carbs, you know, standard American diet or SAD, yeah. as the acronyms say. <laughs> 400 grams of carbs a day is recommended. Yeah, it's right? insane. And here I am sitting eating my 30 grams of carbs a day. And uh, most of the carbs come from the vegetables I eat, yeah. right? Uh, and then I look at someone drinking half a liter of Coke yeah. and it's 50 grams, oh, yeah. you know, and it's once you've become on this diet and you realize how much sugar people are eating, you're, you're, you're shocked. Like I'm shocked. Like every time I see, you know, this cookie, for example, will probably be like 30 grams of carbs, 40 <laughs> grams, you know, yeah. it's, it's like shocking. Like yeah. that's what I eat in two, three days, you know, in carbs. But yeah, when but you have, like, when you have some like a vegetable where the, the carbs from that, a lot of it's actually from the fiber. Yeah. And so there's this idea of, of what it net carbs, right? So the, because fi the you're, carbs you're, from fiber are not bad. Your body doesn't absorb it. Right. Um, and yeah, and uh, you know, the whole idea goes back to like uh, not spiking your blood sugar. So just reducing your carbohydrate intake is gonna help you a lot and uh, going to help you not become insulin resistance, mm -hmm. which is di diabetes type two, um, which is the theory is that if you you know listen to um, Peter Atia, who's been on and uh, you know, the theory is that, you know, you're not insulin resistance because you're fat, you're fat because you're insulin resistant, basically. Right. Yeah. So the <clears throat> and you can reverse that by eating low carb and uh, um I'm sure if I test myself now with like, uh, you know, my, my my glucose level or whatever, insulin uh, <clears throat> sensitivity will be a lot better since I've been on this diet for you know almost three months than it was three months ago before I started. When yeah. I, yeah. The biggest thing for me, like the, the when people when I hear people complain about they don't have energy or they feel kind of sluggish throughout the day, the first thing I say is. How often do you drink soda? Mm -hmm. uh, because I stopped drinking soda three years ago. The only time I drink soda now is if it's in a mixed drink. And right. I try to reduce number. Like I'll have a gin and tonic, but I won't have a lot of them right. um, before I switch to something else. But it's like just by quitting soda, I remember feeling so much more energy. Um, you don't feel sluggish. Uh, and it's because that like that caffeine or the, the well, caffeine, but also the sugar, sugar, yeah. sugar crash. So that's my first thing is like cut out soda for a week and see how different you feel. But yeah, it's, it's, I was on Reddit the other day and it was one of the questions was, what is one of the, the biggest things that would shock people to learn that there's still not a lot of research on? Right. And it's optimal nutrition. Like there's, especially in America, maybe we just don't seek it out or maybe it's not a big research topic or it's that a lot of these nutrition studies are funded by food companies lobbying companies. and government i mean look how much yeah. look at like the grain subsidies and right sugar and subsidies. all, all that's everything yeah. because of sugar subsidies. like the sugar import quota that benefits yeah. you know americans pay twice as much for their sugar than any other place in the world yeah 
maybe that's a good thing, but when we yeah, look but, at the health but damage, it's in, but it's, but in it's, everything. it's in everything. If you look at, look at your piece of bread, look at how yeah. much added sugar, but then look at your glass of juice. There's no added sugar, but there's just as much in your glass of juice. There's just as much sugar as there is in a glass of Coke yeah. of the same size almost, you know? So, so part of it is like, I can't blame people because the, the, science is like there's good science about nutrition but it, there's no definitive answer yet about what is optimal nutrition and, and things and like it, that it started with uh, george mcgovern back in the 50s 60s when uh, eisenhower was president and he had a heart attack in office and they were like oh we need to figure out what's the problem here and uh, we didn't have a reliable way to measure cholesterol or anything like mm. that and so it was pushed that um low-fat diet was the way to go because George McGovern <clears throat> that's what he was on and he said that's what's working you know you can't eat cholesterol from your eggs and blah 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 and there's a you know there's a video on YouTube where you can see like uh, all of these scientists sitting around him and they're like <clears throat> you know there's no definitive data out there that says this uh, we have to wait for the science and George McGovern's like we can't wait for the science like we have to act now god forbid we get you know data <clears throat> and then what has that led us down to 50 years of uh, low fat diet being pushed by governments all around the world yeah. and uh, this is going to sound uh, like a horrible article but it's in the the guardian it's called the sugar conspiracy and uh, already sold already sold <laughs> right right and uh, <clears throat> Uh, the head of the USDA, which sets the, the guidelines, um, Ansel Keys was the one who was the main researcher at this. And the first study he did uh, was um, he showed, uh, he took data from seven countries uh, and showed that there was a relationship between high fat consumption and, uh, and like cardiovascular disease, basically. What, <clears throat> what uh, he negates to mention was that he had reliable data from over 30 countries. And when he put those into the study, there's no definitive relationship that shows this. Like the data is all over the place. Like Norway and uh, Holland had high fat consumption because they ate a lot of fish and all this right. stuff, uh, um, but had very low cardiovascular diseases. Right. Um, and then there was this other researcher that um, in um, in uh, England that was showing ever since the 50s he's been showing that sugar is the one that leads to diabetes that leads to cardiovascular diseases that is the main driving factor in all of this and every time he released a study Ansel Keys would release another study refuting basically what this guy uh, this guy's research and so throughout the whole um, you know the last 40 50 years all the major governments have said low fat is the way to go you know um, you know don't worry about the carbs or blah 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 and now, you know, the last 10, 15 years, they're starting, oh, you know, reduce your added sugar intake, reduce your sugar intake, uh, you know, um, cholesterol from eggs aren't bad, for example. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now saturated fat studies, like <clears throat> there's a study, I think, done in 2012, where they looked at all the European countries and saturated fats consumption, and they looked at... Um, uh, cardiovascular disease and the people who ate the most which was france uh, had the lowest incidences of cardiovascular diseases the people who ate the least i think was ukraine had the highest incidence of cardiovascular diseases mm. um, now i think that uh, you know you should still moderate your fat intake because it's so dense in calories but it's not necessarily bad for you right um like 
fish is said to be healthy you know that's but that's extremely fatty right right but it's omega threes it's good for you people usually overconsume omega sixes which is you know canola oil and stuff like this and so um increasing your omega-3 in, uh, intake by you know eating fish or something like that is going to be very good for you but that's fatty as well you know yeah. it's it goes against all this thing like oh you're eating fish it's healthy but it's a lot of fat and the people are like what like um, yeah. well i mean at the end of the day i think i think the biggest thing that i learned from it was like i think we've all grown up with these different and it's all passed down by family right your family's yeah, yeah. diet will likely be your diet i remember as a kid i ate like crap and it's just because of the convenience of go through the mcdonald's driving uh the drive-through um and i was a big kid and it's it's because and i didn't know anything better and so right. i just started to see like okay what if i change this what if i do some changes there and it's interesting what what changes. Um, I, we got a little off track, but that, right, that, was, right. that was a good conversation. So, that, so twenty seven. So you started a little bit with health. What else? Um, I think now is so it's still going to be health. Yeah. So I'm going to start focusing on uh, working out again. Last year, I, I I started doing Tim Ferriss's slow carb from his four hour body yeah. and started weightlifting, and I enjoy that so much more than all the cardiovascular. Do you really? Uh, yeah. I, so my, my, like you've seen my 12 months, right? I'm doing something every month. I think, I think it's July. I want to get into strength training and I have a friend, um, who I would likely help with that. Um, will kick my ass doing it, but, right. but it'll be good. Um, I hate it. I hate it because I'll get done and maybe it's cause I'm doing too much at first, but I get done and I can't feel anything. And then I have to take, I feel like I need to take downtime for three days. Um, Whereas running or biking or even the rowing machine, I love it because to me that's so, and I guess rowing is some strength in there, but yeah, I find yeah. that easier. Yeah, well, I think you, so the way I did it, I started, <clears throat> there are two good starting programs. There's one called Starting Strengths uh, by Mark Ripito. Is that a book? There's, it's a book and okay. it's an app now too, okay. but uh, basically he's been a, um, a power lifter and a power lifter coach, probably one of the best out there. And if you buy his book, he'll show you how to do all the exercises and all that stuff. Um, but um, and then there's one called Strong Lits. Um, both are like the same thing. It's called linear, um, like uh, what do you call it? But basically, you add weights linearly. So every time you do the exercise again, like the next day or whatever, when you're doing it, you add usually two to five pounds. Okay. So. I started <clears throat> all the exercises I was doing with Strong Lifts. It's an app you can find it on your phone. I think I've heard um, it's a it's a great app. I've heard of someone right and it's it, yeah. and it's free. But basically, I started squatting with no weights on on the the bar Just and the bar. all all the stuff. Then you add five pounds and you work out three times a week. And so you add five. You know, you squat every exercise uh, at the beginning of every exercise, and then you add five pounds. So, uh, you know, in a few months you'll be up at you know 150. But you won't be sore because you're doing you're starting out so light and right. then building slowly your way up. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, you won't be sore, and so you're more likely to to stick to the program versus if you start lifting heavy and then you're just like the next day you're just like oh. I think that was the challenge because I, I I started with like well what's the max that I can comfortably do? Or right. It should have been like maybe I should start with something that I feel like is really easy, but it's actually effective. Um, yeah, but I, I think there's also a component of, of not as much. I mean, going to the gym for some people is a terrifying experience in the first place. Some mm -hmm. people feel like they shouldn't be there. 
Um, but I, I think especially when you go to the strength training side of the gym, yeah. it's like these guys who have been there for years uh, and you don't think that, oh, they probably started where I was or right, for right. a fact they did. Right. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of that kind of mental but, stuff too. But yeah. I think, you know, what do you need to realize is they're there thinking about themselves. Yeah. They're not even looking at you probably. Right. I'll or if they're at looking at you, they're probably want to go over and help you and be like, Hey, you, you know, right. maybe you should do this with the exercise. Be careful with your back or you know, yeah. stuff like that. Like, like they're too busy doing their own exercises. They don't even right. care about you. And, uh, right. I mean, uh, when I look at someone that's overweight and going to the gym, I'm thinking to myself, wow, good, good on that person yeah. for taking, trying to, you know, change your life and, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I never think negatively about someone going to the gym. I mean, that's the, the first step is right. to go there or, you know, change your diet. But the only time I think negatively is if I'm on a treadmill and there's plenty of open ones and they get on the one next to me. Right. Because then I feel compelled to race them. And that's not going to end well because I will hurt myself as I've done. But that, that, like stuff like that would never happen in Denmark, right? I mean, that just, right. people would just look <laughs> awkward at you and be like, God. They'd either move themselves. I got to move. I feel like y'all are more introverted there, which would go in with me. So I got to move there. But I'm not going to do the black licorice thing. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, but you're going to pay the 67% taxes. God, yeah. Well, no, no, it depends if I'm getting free stuff out of it. Free. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's included. It's like, yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, I mean, so for 2017, I'm doing all those monthly challenges. Some of them are to, are to start a habit, right? So they'll continue into the month. Um, I've already started because I don't really I didn't want to wait until the first. So I've already started the daily journaling. Um, and the second part of that, what I've added on to January is minimalism. Yeah. Um, not extreme. Like I'm not going home and throwing away all my stuff. But I did get a book, um, The Life Changing Art of Tidying Up. It's by a Japanese author. Um, Was this recommended by Tim Ferriss or something? I feel like that's one something. of his guests recommended. Right. It wasn't him. Uh, but one of his guests did recommend it, which is where I first saw it. And then I got, I watched the minimalism documentary on Netflix <laughs> and they recommend that. Right. Um, cause I, I don't know. I, I feel like, and, and I was sharing this with my dad cause he's about to move and I'm like, there's, there's stuff in these drawers over here, like pens that you don't use. So why do you keep them? Right. Or there's stuff that you're, you're not collecting, but you're keeping because they have sentimental value, but you never look at it. You right. don't actually get joy from it. So if it's did, if you can digitize it, digitize it. So you have a copy or take a picture of it and then throw it away. Yeah. I mean, you're basically a mini hoarder, right? right. Exactly. Um, and he also has collectibles and my brother's collectibles and I collect some stuff. I collect like political memorabilia because mm -hmm. I'm a nerd. Um, but I also, I display that stuff and I right. look at it and it makes me, so the idea of minimalism is not throw away stuff for the sake of throwing away stuff. It's throw away stuff that doesn't make you happy and that doesn't, and stuff that you don't use. So I think I'm going to add that on to January. Um, but there's a lot of other things like the vegetarianism that I'm going to try for a month. I don't think I'll sustain that, right. but I do think I do think that I will drastically reduce meat consumption just yeah. because of like, you don't need meat for all three meals. Oh, like, to me, that seems like, like the American diet is built on a meat every meal. And I, I don't know if that's, I think like try and like <clears throat> reduce your consumption of red meat and then try a variation so, of meat. So eat more fish, for example. I heard an interesting theory about that though on, I think it was, 
I'm getting them mixed up now. It was either Tim Ferriss interviewing Malcolm Gladwell or Malcolm Gladwell interviewing someone, or he was interviewing, I think it was Tim. Malcolm Gladwell also has a podcast, so it might be. I think so, because yeah. he talked about how it's actually probably better to eat red meat because he said something like, it takes a family a year to finish a cow, whereas chickens, aside from being treated inhumanely, um, a family can finish a chicken in like two days. Right. So it's, he was talking about the moral consumption of meat. Right. It's okay. morally yeah, yeah. better to consume. But, but then again, you have the health things of, of red meat not being as, as good as, as like chicken and things like that. So I don't know. I'm going to play with it and see. But yeah, I think people like try to, you know, increase your consumption of fish, for example, switch out. Yeah. You know your steak with a fish for one meal right. or stuff like that. I think that's pretty good. Uh, you know, it works for the Catholics. <clears throat> you had the, I think, was it Kevin Rose that recommended that? That tried that for a little bit called the uh, Okinawa diet. He does a lot which of is, different. Is that Japanese? Yeah, he it's it's where like uh, they looked at the average diet at the Japanese people in Okinawa and they ate such food, a huge yeah. variation, uh, right. a lot of vegetables, but also a lot of uh, different fish mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. So like trying to eat differently. Uh, I think source your protein differently, you know, and yeah. care about the quality of the protein you consume. I think it's for a lot, a lot more of important. people. I think it's just the it's financially hard to do that um, because it does it costs more, right? If you want grass, but, the, but then but then yeah, can <clears throat> reduce your consumption of meat, but increase the quality basically, right? So so it kind of equals out, right, In a right. sense, yeah. It's not like you need two hundred grams of protein a day. You you probably need. <clears throat> 80, 90 grams of protein to not lose any muscle, right? Which is what you, you know, you should try to um, yeah. not reduce your muscle. That's horrible for you. But um, generally, I, yeah, yeah, like me, eggs and bacon for breakfast, right. and then usually like chicken. For Real bacon, not that Canadian crap, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Real, like, <laughs> Real bacon, good. And then uncured usually and stuff like that. Yeah, like the yeah. what? Uncured. So reducing your oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, nitrates and nitrites. Uh, Salt, right? Yeah, Less yeah, salt. yeah. Or not the salt. That's the problem. But like the nitrates and nitrites, uh, when you cook them, they oh, turn into uh, chemicals that uh, cause cancer, basically. Cancer. So if I'm con consuming bacon every day, yeah. I want to like reduce my the impact of that. Um, Interesting. Uh, right. So uh, there, there's yeah. all there. The, it'll always be there naturally during the natural curing process, but reducing your consumption. Reducing of, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I agree with you. I don't like the New Year's resolution thing. I like more short-term goals, but also habit forming. Yeah. So I just yeah, got yeah. a new app called Way of Life. I don't know where my phone is, um, but I just got a new app called, Way oh, it's right there. <laughs> We're streaming on it. Way of Life, and uh, and you set up with the free version, you can have three habits, right? Right. So you go in and you check every day. If you did it, it turns green. If you didn't, it turns red, or you can skip it. Um, and it's kind of like gamifying these new habits. So the idea that you don't want to have to press red. So right. the three I have there are journaling, reading, and um, journaling, reading, and oh God, what's the other? Oh, exercising. Right. Um, which I don't do as much here because I'm not like, I don't have all my stuff here. Um, but so I have those and you can even do notes. So I think that's a good way or that's how I'm going to track a lot of these monthly yeah. things is like, what can I, you know, what kind of trends can I set with that? And can I, you know, week by week after four weeks, see that I've been doing it more. Um, so, uh, by the way, have you tried bullet journaling? 
Do you know what that is? So I, I think I'm going to try a version of that this month because right. this month is like journaling, right? Like, so I, I don't know what version of that it's going to be. I thought about like a gratitude journal, like the five minute journal. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's yeah. like two and a half minutes in the morning of what am I grateful for today? What would make today great? And then at the end of the day, um, I forget exactly, but it's like, what did I do today that I'm made me happy? Glad or glad about yeah, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Um, I'm going to try bullet journaling. I don't really know. I'm, I'm going to play around with that. I think bullet journaling, I don't know about you, but someone like me who's like, I'm not uh, organized in my life. Mm. And bullet journaling would make that easier, basically. Uh, I had a friend yeah. who's similar to me, the guy who introduced me to whiskey, tried this. And he said uh, it helped him a lot, like being more organized. And I feel like I would want more. Because the idea of bullet journaling is to make it concise and stuff. Right. And you can, the idea is that you can. <clears throat> You page the or you number the pages and make an index so you can look oh, up information okay. easily. So if something you come across some knowledge throughout the day, you know you always carry your journal on you and right. you can write that with a special bullet or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, that may that's actually really so there, interesting. There are different, so you can categorize the thoughts you have. There are different bullets you make, so like you know a circle bullet or a square, and they mean different right. things. Like one of them, you know, is the squares are usually this is what I have to do today. Mm. Uh, and then you know the circles are yeah, all this different stuff yeah. I mean there's a whole thing of it online you can probably find that gotcha. um, see because I already do I, I have a moleskin weekly planner which has the days on the week on one side and then a general notes page on the on the on the right side so I've already I already did that last year um, and my dad thought it was I asked for another a 2017 journal for Christmas and it was like why are you asking for a paper journal? Like, that's weird. But for me, it just helps me. And I can carry it around. And it's something that I don't know why. I just don't like, I don't like having that on my phone. I like having that in paper form. Right. It's probably because I'm 65 years old. But, but the uh, idea that you can write it down. I feel like you yeah. remember stuff more if you write it down physically. Oh, you definitely do. Yeah. You definitely do. Um, all my professors try to say that because they don't <laughs> want laptops in the classroom anymore. Um, so, yeah, I think... This year will be interesting. Yeah. A lot of political stuff that'll be crap this year. But at least, like what I've been telling people is um, maybe focus on yourself a little more. Because you can't control all the stuff that's going to happen in the world. But you can control what happens in your world. Right, right. And so, like a couple of episodes ago, I was like, stop thinking that Trump or Clinton would lead you. And you need to lead yourself and do stuff like that. Um, which gets me into politics a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I went on your Facebook just because I was I was trying to remember I was trying to remember the name of your school, but also I saw political views. Um, you have listed, I think, voluntarist, volun, voluntarist, minarchist, minarchist, probably yeah, yeah. So explain that because I I know what those two words mean, right? But from your perspective, what is that ideology? For me, it's like I get how you can. I've always had a hard time making the jump from like libertarian to anarcho-capitalist. Yeah. Because I feel like you need like a centralized law system for fraud, issues of fraud and stuff sure. like that. Protection of Yeah, of like enforcement of like enforcement of contracts basically. Yeah. Um so I I get how you can privatize the military, privatize police, but they need laws to enforce, right? Mm-hmm. Basically fraud and stuff like murder and all that stuff. And um, so the idea is like, I get how you can privatize all that except the law itself. You can privatize courts too, but you need like at least some form of law. 
something to enforce right yeah what the rule which is, is just okay. like for me it would just be like fraud murder right. like like stuff like that's, that that's the the minarchist part right and then voluntarist is you are free to like exit that society like in in the form of like freely contributing to that society um you know, Ron Paul, after he, he left Congress, became a mm. voluntarist, basically. So that's what's interesting to me. There is this, I don't know if you're aware, but there is this um, this little internal debate within the conservative movement, especially you see it a lot with young conservatives on Twitter and stuff, um, <laughs> the idea that taxation is theft. Right. Um, and that a lot. some people won't go as far as say this, but, but some of the more libertarian-minded people will say that um, taxes should be voluntary, and if you feel like paying the the government taxes, you should have that right. But if you if you don't, you should. Some people would say you should just pay for what you want. Like you should have a a, a fire tax if you want fire department coverage, or right. a police tax, or right. things like that. Um, I struggle with that a lot because I guess you know, like the term neocon. Maybe I'm a neo libertarian, right? Because I still think that. I still think that like taxes is, is is what makes the whole thing possible. Right. Like you can't have order in a society if you don't have a way to fund the institutions that create that order. Right. Which I'm making some people's head explode, probably. Um, do you believe taxation is theft? Like, is is this does that? I, I would say if you look at the like non-aggression principle and all that, like the whole philosophical debate. At the end of the day, it is right. I mean, right. what is it? How do you enforce taxes? You threaten someone with jail, right? How do you throw someone in jail but so with the, the full force of the government? But the right? idea is, right, so the idea of the social contract. Right, but so a libertarian wouldn't believe in the Like, they throw out the social contract, right? Not fully. I, I would say maybe... I mean, there are very, maybe, uh, various levels of libertarians, right? So, right. I mean, right. God, yeah, that's, <laughs> isn't that the truth? I, I just, I can't get... I can't get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, another podcast on the uh, another podcast around the network, Caleb Franz, is a lot more libertarian than I, and I respect him for those differences. And I understand a lot of people think taxation is theft. Um, I, I guess I'm just I I don't know I because I do subscribe to the social contract theory of the idea that um, and people will say, well, there, there's no exit out of that, and I say, well, yeah, you can choose not to remain a citizen of the country you can choose not to work right but the the, the problem is that <clears throat> there's no place in the world where you can exit and not be part of a social contract basically yeah, sure I, well you could go to a place without income tax there's plenty of places not plenty right but, but there's there still places. other types of taxes still sales tax all this consumption tax or, or right. property taxes for example which you is could start your, even worse you could start a micro nation right right but uh the yeah it's um I mean, unless you go like full out Walden, like Henry David Thoreau, and so my question is, does because there is no other place that you could go if you choose to exit, does that mean that the countries of the world have an obligation to 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 give in to that type of like, oh, he can't go anywhere? Well, I guess we ought to. Right. I mean, an anarchist would say if there was no such thing as citizenship and no such thing as borders then we you would live in an anarchist society right mm-hmm. you 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 could freely choose part. to move over here or there or that you right. know, arguably you know <clears throat> an anarchist uh, just means no government it doesn't necessarily I, mean I, I almost agree with that like i i find the open border 
um, idea very interesting. Um, and I, I do agree that like you should be able to. <laughs> I have to be careful. You should be able. I, I think you should be able to like live where you want. You should be able to go across borders and things like that. Um, but I think once you go to a place and you elect to live in a place and to work in a place, then you are subscribing or you are you are allowing whatever entity has control over that. Right. But imagine if there was freedom of movement, like no borders, essentially. You, you could have governments, but no borders, and you could freely move. Wouldn't, the, like, a lot of people would probably move to the freest place, right? Um, what was the idea of there would be competition, so, there, right? Yeah, there'd be competition between right. the states. Uh, whereas now, where, <clears throat> you know, and as an American citizen, you can't automatically move to Denmark unless you have a job, for example. It would example. take a while. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, there's a barrier there for you to move to another country. There's even, like, if you want to give up your rights as a U.S. citizen and not become a U.S. citizen, it's going to cost you, like, $1,500 now. Too. Like, it's more of a restriction from the other country. Like, Denmark has more of a restriction on who they let in than the United States letting you leave. Right, right, right. But it goes both ways, though. I mean, the, right. there's barriers for you to leave. Like, <clears throat> who can afford average, like, lower middle class person can afford $1,500 and True. try to move to another country? Oh, I right think now. if you want to leave, we should be like, all right. Right. Like, Peace out. Best of luck. And then the U.S. has like some insane tax laws too. So right. <clears throat> even if you that, move to that, another oh, co- yeah. move to another country, let's say you move to uh, Dubai with no income tax, yeah, you're still liable to have U.S. pay U.S. income tax even though you don't use any U.S. services. Yeah, <laughs> it's very very like completely insane. Um, so do you think that that a system of these voluntary taxes is like oh I'd like fire service so you pay right. So privatize, not necessarily paying a fire tax, but you're paying like a fire subscription almost. Is kind of what you would. Right. Let's say like. the community wants to fund a road. Sure. People pitch in crowdfund. Like I mean, <clears throat> especially now that we have more technology. Fund me for your road. right, right. Yeah. But like, especially now that we have more technology available and people are more becoming more interconnected, it's going to be easier to be decentralized, uh, not needing government, where people can. Oh, I can just have a GoFundMe. Let's make this road, you know. And then local businesses will want probably a road to happen, right? To get customers to their stores. Do you think it'll be that effective, or do you think that? I mean, it, like it, the change can't happen overnight, right? Right. But the idea is that l- let's let's pretend that we're in a place and you want a new road, you have to crowdfund it. Um, a lot of people are like, I don't really want a road. That increases the cost on all these other people, and. Like, what if those resources just don't come together? But then the person who, like, everyone benefits from that road to a certain degree, right? Right, but they don't have to pay in. So you get a lot of this bystander effect of people who aren't paying into it, but they're benefiting. We already have some of that now right? with a lot of different things. But it does create challenges, and it doesn't... Like, I feel like a lot of the idea of... Um, of being a minarchist or even an anarchist is um, to kind of create a system where there's less tension and less drama and this idea that the government escalates a lot of uh, tensions within communities and things like that. I I would almost say there there may be more if if you don't have the government acting as an an intermediate. I don't know. I don't think so. I think, uh, like... 
look at this neighborhood, for example. Everyone wants to be able to drive somewhere, right, to work. Unless you bike. Unless you bike. Unless or, you but walk. You used, you're still used to road, right? So wouldn't you want, you know, you don't want to walk into potholes and anything. It'd probably be easy to crowdfund this for, you know, a small, like, maintenance fee every year, you know. Like a small, you don't have to subscribe to that, but then you might get some benefits or, I mean, there's so many ways I mean, to think of this yeah, process, right, right, of how you could do this. Uh, you could talk, you know, all day about all the different ways you could do it and the different yeah. scenarios and what stuff. But bottom right? line, taxation it's about theft. Right. Like, but <laughs> okay. then, you know, I remember the post you had, like, if you can't handle me at um, abolish the USPS, yeah. then you don't deserve me at <laughs> like, taxation is not taxation theft. Taxation is not theft, yeah. Remind me of, have you heard of uh, Lysander uh, Spooner? Uh-uh. Uh, a famous uh, lawyer, anarchist in uh, the 19th century. Uh, <clears throat> he started, um, back in the day, the the cost of ship. this is like 18, 1844 or something like that, the cost of shipping an ounce of letter cost 14 cents. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> those 14 cents were made of three and a half grams of silver. And today's price, that would be roughly three and a half dollars to send a letter. Mm. Um, and so what he did, he started a letter company with a headquarters, with mail offices in um, in Philadelphia, New York, and Boston. And you could, sh- to start out with, you could buy 20 stamps for a um, dollar, I think he said. And you could ship a letter for six cents was what it started out with. And then you would ship it from the main uh, post offices and he would ship it to your front door, whereas the USPS back then would only ship it to the other mail offices and mm-hmm. you would have to come pick it up. What was the name of his? Uh, American Mail Letter Company or something like that. Okay. Uh, and basically he forced competition with USPS. There was no other competitor back then. And, and they didn't like it. At the end of the day, the price came down to three cents for both USPS and mm-hmm. him. But the, what, the fact was that he delivered to your front door and sometimes in the local area, you would do free delivery. And they, the government was so mad that um, they, were, they sued him, but he won because what they said was, you have no right to create a letter company according to the Constitution. Mm. But he said, uh, government has the right to start a mail letter, or like USPS, similar to that. Yeah, it doesn't have the exclusive right mm. to start a postal service. Right. And then later, they um, basically... Uh, um, a few years later, or a year down the road, uh, they've exhausted. They exhausted him financially, and they created a law that disallowed competition from other companies, and basically put him out of business. But what happened was that the price of three cents stuck, at least for some t- time. Yeah. Um, and he basically forced the USPS to become more efficient. Well, now even today, USPS has to compete with FedEx and UPS. Right. And in some ways, they are cheaper. Uh, I th- I've heard like uh, anything under a certain weight, they're cheaper, and yeah. then above that, they USB or UPS and FedEx are better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think that's an interesting model bringing that in today. Um, I remember meeting a guy who built master plan communities, kind of like this city, the Woodlands is. Right. Um, but he did it without government involvement. Yeah. So he'd get all these people on board. Um, people who would live there or work there and they would buy this plot of land and through their contributions it would now 
they're not just paying for their house, they're paying for the, the roads and the shops and like they're, they're all spilling that up. I think that's really t- going back to the idea of like how to make a city better. Like, I think that's an interesting thing for the future. If you start having these communities and they won't be big, but you have these communities that buy this acreage and then all these people are, are like you said, crowdfunding right. this new, this new neighborhood. And they're paying for their house. They're paying a little bit for the road. They're paying for um, maybe not immediately, but eventually maybe a fire department for the area or police, you know, security right, right. Uh, patrol. And so um, I think there's a lot of ways to implement um, kind of this minarchist mentality right. within the system. Because my big thing is being a pragmatic libertarian, which usually don't go together. Uh, because a lot of libertarians are like, no, burn down the system and start over again. Right, right. Um, so I'm interested in what are the ways that you can influence the current system with your libertarian or minarchist beliefs? And I, I think that's a good example of just like competing with the government and seeing, seeing how far you can go. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I mean, I mean, we've talked about starting... The nation of Pakistan. Oh yeah, the Pakistan nation. Crown-funded little <laughs> island. So, looking for it in the Trump presidency. Um, are you particularly interested in any of the plans that he's brought up, or any of the? I mean, like any of his agenda, like his idea of lowering corporate taxes, for mm-hmm. example, U.S. corporate taxes. But then he wants to push import tariffs, like. Two totally different yeah. ideas. So, in the end, will will we be better off with lower corporate taxes and a little bit higher import tariffs? Well, you know what like, the deal is, this, like with with Trump's, he's being advised on economics, right, by a lifelong Democrat. So, I mean, you wonder why he's like out of left field, literally on some. But, of this I mean, stuff. he's he's an old New York liberal. <laughs> what can you say? Yeah. Right. Oh no, some people would not believe that. Ivy League graduate. Yeah. You know, like. So tax structures, okay, I agree on that. I think taxes and a lot of small bit, like the consumer confidence is going up. Small business owners are very um, kind of optimistic about the next three years. I mean, I, I who's, who's left holding the tax bill, corporate tax bill at the end of the day? It's the small business, mm-hmm. not the GE and all this yeah. who almost pay zero, yeah. zero income t- or corporate tax because they have <clears throat> such a big organization. They can afford uh, different structures that allow them to benefit from all the loopholes, right? Whereas the you know small medium enterprises uh, are paying 40 percent corporate tax, and then they have to pay their employees and themselves, right? So they're double taxed, right? I mean, <clears throat> uh, completely insane. Uh, yeah, I mean it benefits the big companies, but not the small companies, right? Yeah. Uh, reduces competition and all that, but <clears throat> it also reduces the amount of because of the U.S. Um, tax laws, uh, the reason you have three, four trillion dollars uh, in corporate assets overseas that haven't been brought home is because <clears throat> even though that money's already been taxed where they made the money <laughs> at a corporate tax in that country, they still have to tax it again. There's a double dipping going on here and that's why all that money isn't being brought home. So if Trump lowers his corporate tax rate or creates uh, a law wherein you don't have to be double taxed, a lot of that money will start coming home. Sure. Like, look at Apple's $250 billion they have. Right. A lot of that money will come back home and be invested in, in the U.S. society and will benefit it. So 
the U.S. is losing a lot of uh, investments just because of their high corporate tax. Yeah. Even from big companies, because why would they bring it back home? Right. Yeah. I mean, it'll just hurt their uh, shareholders at the end of the day. Right. What else from the Trump administration who will, by the time this airs, take take office? I guess two weeks after. Right. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what else. I think I, I agree. I think that's probably the biggest one. Right. Is that, like lowering taxes, you're going to get any conservative or any right of center person on that. Um, I think that would be pretty good. Um, like yeah. I said, like I as mu- as much as it might send me into a stroke, I will give him credit where credit's due. I will criticize him whenever he needs to be criticized. But I mean, a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And I don't like him as a human, right. but I don't want him to fail as president because it's. I mean, you're, you have to be pragmatic, right? Why would you exactly. want yeah. the country to fail right. on someone's right, right, watch, right? right. Like, uh, you still want the best for your country. That's no my matter. argument against people who dislike Barack Obama. There's there's people who would say like, oh, he 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 set up to destroy the country. And I was like, why the hell would he do that? Like, yeah, that's the legacy he wanted to leave. He wanted to go down as the president who destroyed the country. I don't think he's trying. He just has a different viewpoint and Trump has a very different viewpoint from me. Right. But I don't think he's trying to destroy the country. I don't think he thought he would win or even get the nomination, but I don't think that he's going to go into the next 4 years. Right. Goes back um, to the theory that it was just all for PR and then well, he got too deep deep down the hole, It's right? all for Baron. It's all for Baron. I've right, told you right. my ideas, yeah. Oh yeah, he's going to take over. He's going to take over. Yeah. He's going to be like Hillary was during Bill's presidency, basically running but everything behind his Behind the scenes. Well, right. I guess the the better uh, the better comparison would be. Oh boy, who was the first lady that was? Um, who was the first lady that was really like she took over? Eleanor Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt. Yeah. yeah. Baron is Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> interesting. Right. Well, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm actually the episode after this one. So next week's episode is going to be what. I think will be the legacy of Barack Obama, as well as what are the positives that have come out. And I'm going to have to do a lot of research for that. Right. But I think there are some, like you can't say that everything you did was terrible. I think there were some positives. So I'm going to try to highlight those. Um, but, you know, next four years are going to be, are going to be fun. Yeah. They're going to be yeah. really fun. Look up Cash for Clunkers. Oh, God. I hated that program. I hated it. And uh, th- I also remember like the one hundred dollar check that they just sent out to that was during stimulate the economy. Bush. That was was it? That was the la- last thing he did was like the send out to the check ch- that. Yeah, interesting. Obama came in and they had that huge stimulus bill that was yeah bipartisan by far. You know, <laughs> we have to abandon the free market to save the free market. Right. Well, I'm gonna. Uh, so one thing that I, I haven't done because I, I I don't have as many guests in person. I wanted to give you. See, I was looking up. I want to. I want to give you a parting gift, uh, and thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. I want to give you the opportunity <laughs> to. I might regret this. Oh, oh, tweet I don't think something. It's too bad. I want to. Tw- I, w- I want to give you the opportunity <laughs> to tweet anything from my Twitter account, um, as long as it's not racist um, or just mean toward a certain group of people. Unless it's yeah, like Trump yeah, people, yeah, you know. Yeah. What I not like. I have issues. I think you Milo. Yeah. So, so I, I won't look at it. I'll okay. let you do it. And then I'll let you also tweet it. Um, and then I'll read it on here. 
Um, so I will just film, uh, or I will build time by saying that this actually stresses me out a lot, but it's okay. We're gonna be all right. Um, okay. Just go ahead and send it whenever you're ready. <laughs> and I will not delete it, so we'll just, we'll leave people, unless they're watching now, we'll leave them uh, wondering what happened there. Because I, I don't think I've tweeted all day. There we go, I think that's a good one. All right, let's. Hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Oh yeah! Wow! This is gonna. <laughs> All right. So the tweet said, <laughs> and it's right after Kyle Foley tweeted, so he'll probably see this. It says I finally jumped on the bandwagon. On the bandwagon, taxation is theft. Hashtag libertarian. <laughs> and I, don't, <laughs> I don't get to. I don't get to delete it. I don't get to respond. Oh, God. Okay. Well, yeah. We're going to leave on a, on a good note, I suppose. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on. Um, yeah, it was do fun. Do you have social media where you want people to connect with you? You can say that you don't want Oh, I'm, I'm not really active on okay. like, That's fair. any social media. Um, well, thanks for coming on. I know that this has been a while in the making. So yeah. I think, actually, this has been one of the more interesting episodes because we just got to talk about stuff other than politics. Right, right. So I've really appreciated that. The, the random show 2.0? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. I should do more of this type of stuff. But uh, So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you once again to my friend Christopher for coming on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, make sure to rate, like, review it, all the things that you can do on iTunes. Make sure to do that as well as subscribe, not just to this show, but to all the other shows that we do on Outset Podcasts, especially Maliberty with Caleb Franz. It's a great one. Also, make sure to check us out at OutsetMagazine.com. You can find me on Twitter at Stephen underscore Perkins facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins. Until I see you next week, have a good one. Take care. God bless.